Shalom, this is Avigal Rak. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. From the time we had begun the stories of Yosef and his brothers, every single class there was some drama, excitement, there were emotional units. In our last class we saw how Yaakov is torn between the love to his son Yosef, whom he desires to see, and his fear that him leaving Canaan is going to be the beginning of Galut. Today's class seems very anticlimactic, sounds almost like a phone book. We're going to be reading the list of descendants that go down with Yaakov to Mitzrayim. The entire unit today is going to be just names upon names, a list of 70 people. I won't be reading all of the psukim and all of the names. However, I want to point out some interesting Sukim regarding certain families in the household of Yaakov, and we will also be discussing what is the purpose of this detailed list. And finally, we will try to address the fact that there are some mathematical discrepancies in the numbers of this list. So let's begin a few verses, chapter 46. Verse 8. These are the names of the sons of Israel who are coming to Egypt, Yaakov and his sons. The eldest of Yaakov is Reuven. Here we have a different word than, than is generally used before a list of descendants. The word that we are always accustomed to was the word Eilet These are the descendants of this verse uses a new word, ve'ele shemot. When we had first begun the stories of Yosef and his brothers in Parashat Vayeshev, chapter 37, we came across that word toledot. Vayeshev Yaakov be'eret megurei aviv be'eret kanan, ele toledot Yaakov, Yosef ben shvaisre shana. Yaakov settled in the land of his father, in the land of Canaan. These are the toledot, these are the descendants of Yaakov. Yosef is 17 years old. We had discussed there at length what exactly is the meaning of the word Toledot, and there was difficult because it said these are the descendants of Yaakov, and the only descendant that was mentioned was Yosef. One of the answers that we gave, suggested by the Rashbanu there, is that this is the list, these are the descendants of Yaakov, how they eventually became the 70 people that go down to Egypt. How from a small family, a small unit of Yaakov, four wives, 12, 13 children, eventually do they become a nation of 70 people that are going to go down to Egypt. And a good starting point would be the story of Yosef and what happens to uh, Yosef and later on what happens to Yehuda, And eventually they will all become the nation of 70 people. I want to add to that here. In general, when we have the word Toledot, we will see a process of choosing and rejection. These are the Toledot of Abraham. We have Abraham has Yitzchak and Ishmael. Ishmael is rejected. Yitzchak is chosen. These are the descendants of Yitzchak. Yitzchak and Esav. Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov is chosen. Esav is rejected. In the Toledot of Yaakov, we think that Yosef is chosen and that everyone else is rejected. And the family is going to go through many upheavals. And eventually, these Toledot of Yaakov, they will not be one chosen and everyone else is rejected. Rather, Yaakov's family will be Eilish Shemot Bnei Yaakov. It will be one nation, all chosen, no one rejected. The list that we're about to read of the 70 descendants of Yaakov, 
really should be a, a thanksgiving song. This is a song. It is a song of praise. The family of Yaakov had gone through so much, whether it is the selling of Yosef, the two sons that Yehuda had lost, the fear of losing Binyamin, Shimon being in prison for who knows how long. All of this could have torn the family apart. And nonetheless, the family is reunited as one family, Ve'ele Shmot Bnei Yaakov. And perhaps this is where the family is no longer viewed as individuals. It's no longer the Ve'ele Toledot. It's no longer the story about descendants of someone. It is rather, this is the nation itself. Ele Shemot Bnei Yisrael Abaim Mitzrayma. It is not the story of descendants of, but it is the story of the people themselves. This is the beginning of the nation. This is the beginning of Am Yisrael, which will become a nation as they enter Mitzrayim. Uh, so Yaakov really could look, could look back. He could finally, perhaps, look back as he sees his entire family together, soon to be reunited with Yosef, and that peace that he's always been, that he's been seeking for for years, maybe now he can finally reach that moment of peace when he sees Ele Shemot Bnei Yisrael Habaim Mitzrayma. No one has been rejected. With all the trials and tribulations, they are still one family. This is a song of a father who can finally have some nachat from his family with all the fear regarding the exile that will be coming eventually, nonetheless, there is much to be thankful for. As I said, I'm not going to be reading every single verse here, but I will read verses that have something out of the ordinary, some interesting points to make. We will uh, focus on them. For example, verse 10, when we go to the, the Shimon and his descendants, Uvnei Shimon, Yemuel v'yamin v'ohad v'yachin v'tzohar v'sha'ul ben hakna'anit. So we have a list of Shimon's sons. The last name that is mentioned in this list of Shimon's sons is Shaul, the son of the Canaanites. Several of the commentators point out that from the fact that we're told that Shimon is the one that married a Canaanite, we can learn that the rest of the brothers did not marry Canaanites, and they married perhaps Egyptians, women from Aram, Moabites, Ammonites, but not Canaanites. And since Shimon was the only one who married a Canaanite, therefore, this fact is mentioned in the list that Shaul, the son of Shimon, was the son of the Canaanite. We also know Yehuda married a Canaanite, but his wife had died, and therefore she's not mentioned here. In our class, when we studied about Yehuda, who also marries a daughter of a Canaanite man, Bat Ish Canaani, Ushmo Shua, I had suggested that the sons of Yaakov possibly did marry the local Canaanite women, but the reason Shimon is singled out, and he's the only one that's mentioned, maybe that's connected to the story of Dina. In the story of Shechem and Dina, it was Shimon and Levi who had objected to making a peace treaty with the local population, and they're the ones who initiated killing out the people of Shechem, who were Canaanites. So perhaps by the text mentioning that Shimon had married a Canaanite, there is some subtle criticism towards the hypocrisy of Shimon, who refused to accept the people of Shechem, and nonetheless, here, he goes ahead and marries a Canaanite. So the other brothers, when they marry Canaanites, that's okay. But of all people, for Shimon to go ahead and marry a Canaanite, that's considered somewhat of hypocrisy. 
From here I'd like to move on to verse 12. Uvnei Yehuda, er ve'onan v'shela, v'feretz v'zarach, v'yamot er ve'onan be'eretz k'na'an, v'yu v'nei feretz, chetzron v'chamul. The sons of Yehuda were er, onan, and shela, and feretz, and zarach. Er and Onan had died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Peretz were Chetzron and Chamul. Now, Ibn Ezra asks an interesting question. Why are we told here of Yudah's two children who have died? We're interested in the list of those who have entered Egypt, and we're not really interested in uh, children who have died. And presumably within a big family, there were other, other members of the family who had died at Egypt and did not make it to Egypt. Why are the sons of Yehudah singled out? So Ibn Ezra will continue the same idea that he had mentioned with Shimon, who married a Canaanite, and that is, we're told, the sons of Yehudah, Erve Onan, who had died and did not make it to Egypt, are mentioned because they, too, were sons of a Canaanite. And the Torah wants to give a negative mention to those who are sons of a Canaanite. And the census of the sons of Leah, sons and grandchildren of Leah, is in verse 15, these are the sons of Leah, whom she had bore to Yaakov in Padan Aram, and Dina, his daughter. All of the descendants are 33. Now, this is the point where the mathematical problems come up. I want to quickly follow with you the n- numbers of the family of Leah. And the verse we had just read said that there were 33, but let's see if the figures add up. Reuven has four children, counting Reuven, that's five. Shimon has six children and himself is seven. Levi has three children and himself is four. Yehuda has five children, two from Tamar, and the eldest of Tamar has two children which are mentioned in this list, which is interesting too because in general we don't see in this list grandchildren. Yisachar has four four children, and himself is five, Zvulun has three, and himself is four, and if we add these all up, Reuven five, Shimon seven, Levi four, Yehuda six, Yisachar five, Zvulun four, and Dina, we come up with 32. You can check this out. And there's several ways of resolving this. The Rashbam says the 30, there are 32 descendants, but the list is counting those who are coming into Egypt, as it says in verse 8, Yaakov and his children. So number 33 is Yaakov. He is number 33. Chazal, and this is mentioned by Rashi and several other parshanim, bring an interesting midrash that number 33 is Yocheved, who was born Bein HaChomot, which means during the journey to Egypt, she was not born yet, However, by the time they arrive to Egypt, Bain Hachamot, between the walls of Egypt, then she already is born. And that's why she doesn't appear by name, but she does appear in the number of those who come into Egypt. This clearly is not Pshat, because we have no mention of this baby Yocheved that is born. Uh, Ramban tries to deal with the other issue, the fact that by the time she gives birth to Moshe, to Moshe Rabbeinu, she has to be 130 years old, but we won't get into that Ramban right now. However, there is a very beautiful idea behind this Midrash of Chazal, and that is as Am Yisrael are going into exile, God is already preparing the Redeemer. The mother of the Redeemer is already born. This is what we call Hashem Makdim Trufa Lamakah. God prepares the remedy before they even go down into Egypt. 
The exile didn't even begin yet, and yet the mother of Moshiach Shal Yisrael, the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu, is born. So for now, we'll suffice with the answer that number 33 is Yaakov, who is included in this list of the descendants of, of the family of Le'ah. Verse 16 continues with the descendants of Zilpah, the maidservant of Le'ah. We go to God's descendants and Asher's descendants. God has seven sons with himself. That is eight. Asher has four sons, one daughter, Serach, the famous Serach Bat Asher, and two of Asher's grandsons are mentioned. So a total of seven descendants with Asher, that's eight too. So Asher's family is counted as eight. Bnei Zilpah in total have 16. God and his seven children, Asher and his seven descendants, a total of 16, which is interesting because we see the last 32 descendants the maidservant Zilpah has 16, exactly half the size of family as Leah, as the main wife in the family. Two interesting observations that I'd like to bring up, we won't address right now, but we will shortly, and that is, some, it seems arbitrary, sometimes grandsons are mentioned, sometimes they're not, we saw that already earlier with Yehuda, and secondly, uh, we, this is the second woman that is mentioned in the list, and there are only two women that are mentioned, and that are Dina and Serach bat Asher, the daughter of Yaakov Dina, and the granddaughter of Yaakov, daughter of Asher, Serach, are the only two women that are mentioned. It's very unlikely that in this family there are only two women. Why were only these two women singled out here? As I said, we'll get to that very shortly. We go to the list of Rachel, verse 19. Bnei Rachel, Eshet Yaakov, Yosef Uvinyamin. The sons of Rachel, the wife of Yaakov, are Yosef and Binyamin. The sensitive listener might notice that only Rachel receives the title, Rachel, the wife of Yaakov, as opposed to Leah, who does not receive the title, the way the sons of Leah are introduced. Verse 8, these are the sons of, of Israel who come to Egypt, Yaakov and his sons, the eldest of Yaakov, Reuven, and it's not the relationship with Leah is not described, the title Eshet Yaakov, the wife of Yaakov, is a title reserved exclusively to Rachel. So in the list of Rachel's descendants, Yosef has two sons, sons that he has from his wife Osna, daughter of Potipharah, the priest of the city of On, Menashe and Ephraim, and Binyamin has ten sons. So if we calculate the size of Rachel's family, we have Yosef and his two sons, and Binyamin and his ten sons, which brings us to a total of 3 and 11, 14, verse 22. Ele b'nei Rachel asher yulad Yaakov kol nefesh arba'asar, 14 descendants. And now we come to the list of the maidservant of Rachel, the descendants of Bilhah. She has Dan and Naphtali. Dan has one son, Chushim. And Naphtali has four sons, total of five, so Dan and him, Dan himself and his son and Naphtali and his four sons, that brings us to a total of seven. So Rachel has 14, and her maidservant, not surprisingly, has half the amount, just as we found with Leah, who has 32 descendants, and the maidservant has 16. Rachel has a total of 14 descendants, and her maidservant has seven. If we add up all these numbers, Leah, 32, plus her maidservant, Zilpah has 16, that brings us to 48, plus 14 of Rachel, and 7 of 
Zilpah. 32 plus 16 plus 14 plus 7 adds up to 69. The end of verse 27. Kol hanefesh v'veit Yaakov haba mitzrayma shivim. 70 people come. 60. How do we get from 69 to 70? So we said Yaakov is that number 33. Yaakov, who's counted in the descendants of Leah, he adds up the whole thing into a list of 70. So it fits in very nicely. We still have a few questions regarding the daughters. We have a few questions regarding when our grandsons mentioned. And we have one problem in verse 26, which I did not read yet. In verse 20, 26, right before the summary of 70 people who come to Egypt, we have another summary. And that summary reads as follows. Kol ha-nefesh Yaakov mitzrama milvad Yaakov kol nefesh shishim vashesh. All those who belonged to Yaakov, who had come down to Egypt, those who had come out of his loins, not including Yaakov's wives, are 66 people. And this does not include Yosef and his two sons. So if we take the 32 of Leah, add to that the 16 of her maidservant Zilpah, that's 48. Add to that 11 of Binyamin, Binyamin and his 10 children, that's 59. Add to that seven of Bilha, of Bilha, maidservant of Rachel, we come up to a total of 66. The problem is, and we have, so we have 66 Yotzei Yerecho that are coming to Egypt, called Hanefesh Habali Yaakov Mitzrayma, and we have three of, of Yosef. How do we get from, from that to 70? We're missing one. When we say that there are 70 members of the family of Yaakov, it was clear to us that that 70 included Yaakov. He was mentioned in, he was part of the 33 of the family of Leah. However, when we count this, the pre-entering Egypt, when we count the list of those who are coming to Egypt, Yotzei Yerech Yaakov, not including Yosef and his family, Yaakov is not part of that list. So Yaakov seems to be uh, sometimes in a list, and sometimes he's out of the list. When we counted 33 of the descendants of, Le of Leah, Yaakov was part of that 33. Leah really has 32 descendants. With Yaakov, that is 33. And that's how we get up to the number 70, because we included Yaakov in this census. However, when we count the family of 66, Yaakov is not part of that count. So the Torah counted him once in order to reach 33. He's included in order to reach 70, but it's not in that figure 66. The figure 66 only includes the descendants. It doesn't include Yaakov, which is very strange because we're missing in order to get from 66 to 70. We have to include Yaakov. And Yaakov now suddenly is not part in the in the final count here of 66 and 70. Yaakov is not part of the 66, but he is part of that additional four that are going to make it to 70. He's counted as he's clearly counted as part of Yosef and his two sons, which will make it into 70. If we don't add Yaakov to Yosef and his two sons, we do not have 70. We will only have 69. So it's some, what we have here is something very interesting. Yaakov is, meant, is counted in one census. In the census of the 33, Yaakov is counted. In the census of 66, when we have a final census, census of those who are 
making the trip to Egypt, he is not counted. However, in the final count of 70, he is counted, but it seems there he's included as part of Yosef's family because we have a two separate counts. We have a count of 66 and a count of 70. And perhaps the greatest question that we have to ask at this point is why do we have two census? Why do we need the 66 and later and a verse later to tell us it adds up to 70? I think there's a beautiful concept that the Torah is trying to teach in these various numbers. The main wife is Rachel. But Leah, even though she was not the beloved wife, nonetheless, she is one of the imahot. She is one of the imahot of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. And she had given birth to half of the Shvatim. And her importance in giving birth to half of the Shvatim is reflected in the numbers. We have a family of 66 that are coming to Egypt. Half of that family is from Leah. That's why we have that number 33. We Yaakov had to be added to that list so that we could have a list of 33, which is exactly half of 66. She who had given birth to six of the 12 Shvatim, her family is a family of 33, including Yaakov. And another reason why we have Yaakov included in her family, though she is not the beloved one, and though only regarding Rachel does it say, Bnei Rachel Eshet Yaakov, the wife of Yaakov, in order to make it clear that Yaakov is also the father of Bnei Leah, and Leah is the wife of Yaakov, when we are given a detailed list of the family of Leah, it is added up to 33 in order to include Yaakov in that list. By doing that, the Torah is making the point that this is Yaakov's family too. So the family of Leah is receiving the kavod of having Yaakov mentioned within their list. And then the whole group together is added up to 66. The 66 does not include Yaakov. It only includes the descendants. And that is so that we can have Yaakov now included within the family of Yosef, Ephraim, and Menashe. When the family of Yosef was introduced to us in verse 20, the reader might think these children, they're not even part of Yaakov's family. They have been born to some Osnat, the daughter of the priest of On. How does the Torah make it very clear that Yaakov views these grandchildren as part of Beit Yaakov, even though they may not be going down with the whole family, even though they're not part of the family that is Yored Mitzrayma as a unit. Nonetheless, they are included within that family by making that separate census. 66 go down. The family is 70. How do we, 70 minus 66 is 4. Yeah, how do we get to, the, who are included in that four? In that four are included Yosef, Ephraim, Menashe, and Yaakov. Here the Torah includes Yaakov with the family of Yosef so that there should be no doubt that Yosef's children, Ephraim and Menashe, though they are born in Egypt to a daughter of the priest of On, nonetheless, they are part of Yaakov's family. So in this very technical list, seemingly a very boring list, we learned so much about the family of Yaakov, and the attempts that the Torah makes to make it clear 
that everyone is included in the family, whether it's Bnei Le'ah, who might have felt rejected, or whether it is the sons of Yosef, who might have felt rejected. They are all part of the family. We're still left with one question, and that is the, the case of the daughters. The fact that Yaakov has only one daughter, that's possible. And having one daughter and 12 sons is quite possible. But to have only one granddaughter, that's very unlikely. Rav Samet suggested that this list in general does not mention women, since the women were considered part of their husband's family, and therefore they're not mentioned. And why is Dina mentioned? Perhaps after she was raped by Shechem, she did not marry, so she is not included in her husband's family, and therefore she's still part of Yaakov's family, and she is mentioned here. And maybe the same thing applies to Serach, the daughter of Asher. She is mentioned because she was part of the household of Yaakov. Perhaps she did not marry either. And so these are the two single women in the household of Yaakov. And what is left to address is why sometimes are great-grandchildren of Yaakov mentioned. The list includes all of the sons of Yaakov and all of the sons of the sons of Yaakov, Yaakov's grandchildren. But once in a while, we also have great-grandchildren of Yaakov. For example, we have the two grandchildren of Yehuda that are mentioned. We have two grandchildren of Asher that are mentioned. So when does the Torah decide in this list to mention the grandchildren? It seems almost arbitrary here. And here perhaps we come to uh, our final idea, and that is there is great significance to the number 70. 70 is a wholesome number. It is complete. And therefore, if we need to add a couple of great-grandchildren, so be it so that we reach this number 70. Rav Maidan, in a very beautiful article that he had written about the census, he talks about the importance of the number 70, and he says 70 is what we associate with the nations, and the nations have their shiv'im umot, and who receive the entire world, and the 70 descendants of Yaakov are going to be those who receive Eretz Yisrael. And so we have the 70 descendants are supposed to be parallel to the 70 nations. And let's just read our last verse in chapter 46, verse 27 for today. And if you recall, Yaakov describes the beginning of his journey when he comes back to Canaan, he says, I had crossed over the Jordan with all I had was me, my shirt, and my, my shirt on my back, and my staff, and now I have two large camps. Those two large camps was him, his four wives, and some 12 children. Now he has 70 nefashot. And in exactly this verse is where Sefer Shmot is going to be picking up from. Sefer Shmot. Perak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, picks up from here. The Elishmot Bnei Israel, Habaim Mitzrayma Yaakov Uveito. And we're not 70 people there. There we have an entire nation of more than 600,000. 600,000, just the men over the age of 20, nation of a few million people. And in essence, this is really where Sefer Bereshit should have ended, with these 70 nefashot. However, there's still a lot of loose ends that the Torah needs to talk about. 
and especially us, the readers, who are waiting for the meeting between Yosef and Yaakov. There's some more reconciliation that needs to take place in the family. There is preparing the family towards life in exile. Yosef is going to be doing that. So we um, we could have ended Parashefesh Bereshit right over here, but we still have to tie a few loose ends, which we will continue, please God, next class. Shalom.